Hello, hello, good night, everyone. This is Pub Theology Live, episode five. I think it's official we're hanging around. I think isn't five episodes like a threshold and that a number that signifies that this is not a fluke, that this is a real thing happening. Am I right? Sure. Thanks for the enthusiastic uh, response there. Um, this is Pub Theology Live, episode five. This is the weekly conversation of life and faith over a pint. Different views, different views. We got a few taglines we're going by. We are brought to you by no one yet. Still looking for those sponsors. Uh, maybe maybe our special guest tonight might sponsor us a little bit later. He didn't really notice why I was bringing him on the show, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. No pressure. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> Since I brought him up, let me just introduce him real quick and moving on. My guest tonight is the Right Reverend Hugh Hollowell, good friend of mine from Raleigh, North Carolina, pastor and director of Love Wins Ministries. It's a ministry of presence and pastoral care to the homeless and housing vulnerable population of Raleigh, North Carolina. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, but we only sponsor podcasts that have more than 10 episodes. Okay. So you're, you're just... You're, well played, uh, Hugh. You know, you know who I'm calling when we do episode 11. <laughs> just saying. Oh, oh my goodness. Here, Ogan. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm glad you can make it. Um, Brian is absentia tonight. He is uh, out. He's in D.C. doing his thing, and we wish him well on the road. Also, uh, tonight, we got Tina. Tina, how are you doing? I'm just fantastic. Excellent. I'm, drink I'm drinking a uh, Samuel Adams Rebel Grapefruit. It's an IPA, Ogan. Are you proud of me? I'm very proud of you. Well, I don't like IPAs, but I'm so Oh, that's right. It's Brian. I'm still proud it's actually beer this time, um, so so good on you. Yeah, you're uh, welcome. I forgot to say what I was drinking. I'm drinking a Peak Organic um, Winter Session Ale. I have not actually tried this before, so um, this is the first time I'm going to try this. Give me a sec. Let me take a sip here. Do, do they not have real beer up there? <laughs> what are you trying to say? This is real beer. And it's organic, so it's healthy. It's healthy beer. Practically yeah. a vitamin. This is nice. This is nice. A little, a little, a little hoppy, but I like it. I don't like hoppy beers, but this one works. I think that's a success. Uh, what, what are you drinking tonight, Hugh? Um, well, I'm just getting over a cold, and if I'm not drinking water, I will be hacking all night. So okay. I'm drinking water. You're drinking water. Uh, right. What we'll do is we'll just pretend that, that clear fluid in the glass is moonshine because you're in the south. So we'll go with that. Well, I want to know. I want to know what Hugh thinks real beer is, though. Um. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I like stouts, um, like oatmeal stouts, uh, dark, heavy. I like Guinness, um, milk stouts. I really like stouts. And, and, and stouts you can drink anytime, but they're they're nice hearty uh, for, for wintertime as well because they're, like, you know, nice and heavy. Um, I like – not a big stout fan, but I like porters, and porters are kind of in that neighborhood as well. Um, I, I think of stouts as, like, a meal replacement shake. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so tonight, what are we going to be talking about? We're talking about uh, Lent, uh, Ash Wednesday, because believe it or not, um, it's we're there already. It's it's this Wednesday. It's this Wednesday. Wait, it's tomorrow. Oh my God! It's tomorrow. Tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. I didn't lost track of days. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, some conditional given and. Uh, a few weeks ago, my friend Hugh almost broke the internet again with a post of his. We'll we'll get to that later in relation to that. 
Um, and some other things, original sin and something that Bernie Sanders said, um, dealing with his religious views. And uh, by the way, congratulations uh, just in before we started the show. Uh, uh, CNN is predicting that, uh, or they call in the New Hampshire primary for Bernie Sanders. Hashtag feel the burn um, as the results roll in and also for um, Donald Trump as well. So that's, you know, it's it's so interesting um, living up here in, in New England now for the first time. I'm in Massachusetts and I'm really north in Massachusetts, so I'm just a, a stone stone's throw from the border of New Hampshire, and the, the political frenzy around here is like unlike anything I've ever experienced in any other state I lived in. And I used to live outside D.C., so it's kind of crazy. Um, so we're doing that. Um, if you want to join in on the conversation, if you're watching live right now or even later after the fact, um, follow us on Twitter at Pub Theology. Use the hashtag PTLive. And also you can um, throw up a comment on Facebook, uh, Pub Theology as well. If you're listening to this after the fact on SoundCloud slash Pub Theology Live, um, you can watch live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Just head over to pubtheology.com slash ptlive and you will find us there. So that's who we are. That's who we are drinking. Um, so let's jump into our questions and discussions. Um, so first of all, uh, as I mentioned, Lent is coming up. It is Wednesday. It's really early this year because Easter is like last Sunday in March. Um, I think I think there should be some kind of unofficial rule that Lent can't start before Valentine's Day. Why? I'm just going to throw that out there. Why? Because be, because it's usually a time, a weekend associated with indulgence of things. Um, I don't want to throw stereotypes, but us us husbands and boyfriends are usually expected to indulge our wives and girlfriends. So, you know, I think it's kind of almost antithetical to start a season whose premise is letting something go and being more lenient. Well, there's no rule that says you can't buy candy on Lent. You just can't eat the candy on Lent. Ah, okay. <laughs> so it doesn't affect you at all, Ruben. It doesn't affect it, me at all. Okay, thanks for clearing isn't that up. It a, isn't it a better test of willpower? Exactly. I, Honor requires difficulty. Exactly. Well, yeah. Okay. I see this <laughs> what he said. I see how this night's gonna go. <laughs> right out the bat, we're seven minutes in. I see where this is going. So, uh, here's a question around Lent. Have you guys ever given anything up for Lent? Do you give stuff up? Do you even observe Lent? What does what does that mean for you? What does Lent mean for you? And do you give anything up? Feel free to jump in, anyone. Hugh, Hugh you're the guest. Do you want to start? Well, I'm Mennonite, and so like our liturgical color is gray. Um, we're not. We're not a. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we're 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 a very low church uh, tradition. Um, so historically, Mennonites don't celebrate Lent, but I grew up Methodist, and um, and we did. So I've I've kept the practice up. Um, I I don't routinely give up anything for Lent. I have, at various times, given up uh, different things. Okay. Uh, I I did I did the ever-popular social media fast a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um, that was... Well, how did that go for you? I know that, I know that um, a lot of, of 
I don't want to say who you are, but what you do and how you promote what you do is through social media and and right. Well, I had I had some rules to enable me to like continue to make a living, um, but uh, like I didn't person. I have a personal account and then a work account, and okay. I didn't I didn't tweet or, or or Facebook or anything on my personal account, um, uh, and and that was it was interesting. Um, uh, I, I really found out that a, a lot of my connection with people mm-hmm. happens through, I mean, like, you know, I see you once a year, um, but you know what's going on because of social media, and I know what's going on. Um, and so I just felt incredibly disconnected from people. Gotcha. Um, you know, um, which is something I wasn't really expecting. But anyway. So that was my one-time win experience. I decided not to duplicate it. Did you feel like? Did you feel like, or start having like withdrawal symptoms? Like, you know? um, I that kind of went away after the third or fourth day. Uh, mm-hmm. The first couple of days, I I kept reaching for it on my for my phone. All right. Um, I just had to uninstall everything from my phone. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, you know. What? I like that you said there, Hugh, um, is that you're, you're not going to repeat it, but it kind of gives you an appreciation for what value social media does have mm-hmm. to you. Because, you know, you hear a lot of people bashing it and the downsides of it, but it, it does have that upside that you can keep in contact with people across the country very quickly. Right. I, I think it's really good for, um, I think Malcolm Gladwell is the one who uses the term weak ties um, for people who, uh, to, to maintain connection um, with existing ties and to form weak ties that are then um, strengthened through face-to-face contact. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So are you giving up anything else uh, at all this year? Are you observing Lent? or uh, I've given up giving up things for Lent. Nice. We'll go That's kind of meta. <laughs> How about you, Tina? What are you giving up? Or are you? Um... I don't know. I really didn't put much thought into it, but um, I I like the idea of giving something up. Um, I because like I said, I think it's a self control thing, um, and I I think it's it's uh, kind of a releasing thing. But um, I usually I give up some kind of food item. Oh, am I frozen? No, you're good. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, you guys froze, so I didn't know if you could still hear me. Um, Normally, I I, I... I was voguing. What? Oh. I was voguing like Madonna. <laughs> there you go. Um, normally, I give up. <laughs> now you set her off. Now you've done it, Hugh. Oh, it's going to be like this all night. Um, normally, I give up like you know some kind of food or something. There was that one time I... Tr- I it was the only epic fail I ever had um, at Lent, but I tried to give up cursing one time, and it didn't go well. Oh, I could have told you that was going to fail. Yeah, well, thank you, Ogan. Um, but no, I, I usually give up sugar, wheat, dairy. But I, I mean, I do that throughout the year too. So now, so so, but why do are we doing it from that more of a? Because Lent is one of these things that I think has kind of like crossed over from the the religious context into like a secular context, and it's become almost like a cultural, you know, thing to say, "Hey, I'm giving up something for Lent." Now, when you give up these things for Lent, were you doing it? with the intention of feeling some kind of surrender and sacrifice, or were you just doing it because, hey, it was Lent, this is what we do at Lent? 
Well, um, I, I'm doing it for the, the sacrifice reason. However, I do have to say I think sacrifice, the word sacrifice means something different to me than it traditionally means to people. Um, in my mind, you sacrifice things that aren't good for you so that you can focus on things that are good for you. Um, and I, I guess most people don't necessarily see it that way. They, they see it as giving up something that you like or, you know, but, but I, I don't know. Maybe everybody sees it that way. But well, I, I guess I don't. What you said you gave up. Those are both of the same thing for you. You gave yeah. up something that wasn't good for you, but you liked it. Like yeah, but I know it's not good for me. Right. I mean, but but I, think I, I do it for for the. Is an idea to to try to emulate suffering, as as Christ supposedly. That's said. what I mean. I I don't do it for that reason. I I know most people do. Was Christ gluten free? I'm confused here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wasn't. There's no way he multiplied those loaves. And <laughs> okay, because um, in all seriousness, a really interesting practice uh, some friends of mine do is instead of giving up things for Lent, they pick up things for Lent. Um, and so they um, use Lent as an opportunity to uh, acquire a new discipline or to acquire a new practice. Mm -hmm. Um and, and it has the same advantage in that it's time-bound, so if it isn't successful, um, you have an out in 40 days. Um, but, uh, in fact... Give me an uh, example. Um, I, I know people who have uh, taken up, like, a centering prayer practice uh, for Lent. Okay. Um, last year, uh, I didn't think about this, but last year... Uh, I um, I have a little newsletter that I send out, um, and uh, I started it last year in Lent, um, and I committed to do it through Lent weekly. Um, uh, I, I'm one of my things is I believe that um, if you're going to be immersed in a world filled with ugliness, um, then you need to saturate yourself with beauty in order to prepare yourself, right? Um, and so I have. I picked up. The, I started this little newsletter where I send out five beautiful things every Monday. Uh, but I know me, and I know that I'm a. I'm kind of spastic, and I'm and I'm super attention deficit disorder. So I get bored easily. So I committed to do it through Lent. Uh, and then if I didn't want to keep it up, I had an excuse to to stop. Uh, but I'm I'm on issue fifty now. So. Um, yeah, nice. you've been doing good. I like that. Let's plug your newsletter. How can folks join in? Yeah, so if you go to hughhollowell.org, um, at the top of the page is a link uh, that says newsletter. And if you click there, it will take you to the right page. Excellent. Um, I do I do check in on those every once in a while. You know, the problem is the way, you know, how uh, my Google inbox kind of auto-sorts. Yeah. Things. So I like have to intentionally remember to go to check for news that are things. I guess like or you have to intentionally remember our friendship once a week, Ogan. <laughs> Don't push it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot going on. Didn't, didn't mean to be such a burden. <laughs> I think I'll just. I think what I'll do is. Uh, in my in my inbox, put it. You know, go in regular inbox. Don't go in there. Right. You can you can adjust that in the settings. I, I, yes, I yes I can. Put it. I'll put that on my other to do list. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think um, the other piece about Lent that a lot of people observe 
is Ash Wednesday. Now, are you? So I know Hugh, you do a you do a chapel service. We do on Sunday afternoons. Um, will you be doing anything related to Lent Ash Wednesday? Is that your plan? Will you be? Um, we, we have in the past. This uh -huh. year, we are not. You're not. Why? And, and and that that's less religious reasons and more just logistical. Okay. Um, I have a whole bunch of people out uh, sick right now, um, employee wise. So it it uh, it's uh, logistically not. And did you do the ashes when you did yeah. when you did the service? Yeah. Okay, so why why ashes? What does what do the ashes signify for you, and why why do you do them? Well, so in my context, uh, as pastor to people who are experiencing homelessness um, and housing vulnerable. Um, a lot of them have um, been made to feel unwelcome at church um, and uh, a lot of them have been have felt excluded from church. So anytime I get a chance to bring to them the full institutional power of the church I do that. Um, so the ashes are more or less what they, to me, uh, in my context, are less about what the theology is and more about bringing access to people who have traditionally been denied access. Gotcha. So, so Does that make sense? Yeah, create, creating a, a sort of feeling of belongingness through yes. the ritual. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the ritual to them. Gotcha. But not stressing on the, the the theological implications of right. I will say another another thing is a couple of years ago uh, I went to an Ash Wednesday service in the morning, and so I, I was walking around with the ashes on my forehead uh, throughout the day, and I had to go to the bank and I, I ran some errands and and so I'm out in public, you know, with Before, these ashes. Dude, you got something on your head. <laughs> well, and I got the ashes on my head. And and people were staring at me all day, um, and uh, so you felt like like should I wash this off? Should I cover it? You know, should I, it was cold, so should I put a stocking cap on? Um, but I decided as a as an experiment, if you will, to to, to leave them on. And so, um, in, in a even though we're in the South, we're still like post Christian. Um, you can no longer take it for granted that everyone on the street knows what's going on, you know, when you're walking around with ashes on your forehead. And it, it just made me, for, for that day, I was kind of in solidarity with the, with the Muslim woman in the hijab or mm -hmm. the, or the uh, Sikh man in a turban. I was the other. Right. You know, like it was... Um, a symbol of my religion was overt and drawing attention to itself, and it made me stand out. And and I think it it helped me. Um. Uh, it made me cognizant or, or conscious of, right. of of that in a way that I hadn't been before. Now, how did I? I know you're kind of lean towards the introvert side. How did that make you feel as an introvert? Yeah, I mean it 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 did. Um. You know, and and like very few people came up and talked to me. Um, so, but it it did draw a lot of attention to me, or at least I felt like it drew a lot of attention to me. And, and I realized like how hard it would be to be an introvert and be a, a, a Muslim woman in a hijab. You know, um, knowing that you're the center of attention. 
So what, what what was your response after you took the ashes off and people were still staring at you? Uh, uh, you're funny. But <laughs> I try. How about you, Tina? Do you, do you, have you ever done the ashes thing? No. You think no? No, that's it. No. No. Um. So so. <laughs> I was expecting a little more deeper response than that, but. Well, it's not something I've participated in. I can't really say one way or another about it because of it. Okay. Um. So speaking of of being. Um, one or the other, or rather, as you said, um, Hugh, that sometimes you can't assume that everybody knows what's going on be- because right. of this. Um, um, I know that I would. It's safe to say that where you live in Raleigh, North Carolina, in the South, even though my experience of Raleigh is that it's a little bit of a progressive oasis in the South, if you will, but it's we're still in the South. Right. Uh, we're, we're even the atheists are a little Christian. Exactly. So right. I remember my my experience of living in the South. Probably, I discussed my religion, and spirituality more in just casual conversation than anywhere else I've ever lived, and that that includes when I was in seminary. Uh, right. can't. <laughs> so, so um, it, it a few weeks ago you wrote this, or yeah, it was a few weeks ago you wrote a post in response to the story whereby. Um, this person, this homeless person, walks into a Chick Fil A, tanks for f- food, and it was the manager or clerk. Manager said, "Yeah, yeah um, I will give you some food, but first we have to pray." Um, yeah. And I don't remember if there was a little mini sermon attached to the prayer, but but he he basically had to pray over this person as a condition for him receiving the food, and he wrote this post and basically talked about. Give us a little summary of that because I think your your response was this was pretty much. Um, a, a, a case of spiritual abuse. Uh, I think I said spiritual molestation. Spiritual That's, molestation, yeah. right, was the right. phrase that you used. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so... Go ahead. So, well, let's back up. So it was the the post I was responding to was actually written by an eyewitness of this event. Um, um, it was a man named Joey who was in the Chick-fil-A with his daughter... And um, he uh, observed this man who appeared to be homeless. Um, and the man who appeared to be homeless came in and um, was asking people, as people were throwing away their food, he was asking them if he could have their food, um, their scraps. And the manager of the store came over and told the man, uh, the hungry man, that um, you don't have to... You don't have to beg. I will give you a free meal. All I ask, all that I require, is that you let me pray for you for pray with you first uh, before we before I give it to you. So right in the middle of the store, the the manager uh, put his arm around the hungry man um, and prayed this loud, long prayer, um, and then gave the man food. And Joey, the, the eyewitness, took a picture of the man praying with the, the hungry man um, and talked about how happy he was his daughter witnessed this so she would see what real Christian love looked like. Um, and, and so that was what I was responding to. Um, the, uh, so yeah, so I wrote a post that was originally 6,000 words 
um, because I was angry. And uh, I edited it down to about 1,200. Uh, Got to calm down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're um, smart man here. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the uh, um, so one time I was introduced to some way, and they said, "This is Hugh. He gets angry on the internet." Um, but <laughs> exactly, which I, I kind of want that on my business card. Um, Have you saved the six, the, the original six thousand word edition? Cause... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it might work its way into a book. Um, yeah. The um, so anyway, um, yeah. I said it was spiritual molestation because um, molestation uh, in the dictionary in Webster's the first definition um, talks about unwanted attention or um, unwanted uh, advances. Right. So how? Is that are you using it interchangeably with abuse, or are you making a clear distinction between? Um, I think it's more than abuse. Abuse and religious molestation. So, so highlight the highlight because I think the phrase uh, religious abuse is something that we we have in our in our lexicon. I think people understand what that means in in terms of um, some sort of like emotional or personal suffering they've endured because of either how they've been treated at a church or or the teachings of a movement or religion that that either disenfranchises them or makes them feel less than and they have a lot of trauma around it. So how is this different? Yeah, so um, there were a couple of things that... So uh, obviously there's the parallel um, with uh, physical abuse and molestation, right? Um, and so uh, to me, this was particularly egregious because you have a man who's asking for help um, and he's told the only way he'll get help is if he submits to the will of the Chick-fil-A manager. Okay. Um, if, if, um, you know, if my wife broke down in a parking lot and some man said, I will give you a ride, but only if you submit to my will, um, we would not think him a helpful man. We would think him a creep. Sure. Um, and that's the same scenario. Oh, Hugh, I, I have to say, I completely, I read your article and I agreed with every word of it, but I, I was telling you earlier, I was talking to my boys at the dinner table about this, and what my older son said to me, and I used the comparisons that you said, and what my older son said to me is, Mom, the difference is the man praying over the homeless man or the seemingly homeless man wasn't doing anything to hurt him. But but I understand where you're coming from. But it it doesn't matter. He's still he's still like you know using power over him. But to make you angry again, calm easy easy. No no no. I'm just saying. I'm just oh, kidding. am I gonna make him angry? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, um, uh, I so, got that vein coming out. Um, no, rather <laughs> sat back and was like, uh oh. Because and and please understand, Hugh, that my son, my older son, is an atheist. He claims right. to be an atheist, and um. And he said, he goes, Mom, people tell me they pray for me all the time. And he's like, whatever. you know. And he said, if somebody gave me free food and said they were going to pray for me, I'd be like, fine, give me the food. I don't really care. Right. But um, so I have a couple of thoughts on that. Um, the first is that if the argument is that the prayer doesn't do anything, right? It doesn't hurt him. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt him. It's just magic words, mm -hmm. right? Well, then it won't hurt him to leave them off. That's true. Right? 
Mm -hmm. um, and so the second thing is is that <coughs> the manager obviously thought he was doing something yeah. by, by, by doing this prayer. Um, so um, we're almost kind of lucky that what the manager wanted the homeless man to do was something as innocuous as a prayer. Um, he's still asking him to submit to his will. Um, and, you know, if if people of faith, uh, a large number of people of faith said it's only a prayer and a prayer isn't going to hurt anyone, um, The I wonder if they would have felt the same way if the man had been asked to pray to Allah and swear that Muhammad was his prophet. Good point. Okay. Um, you know, I imagine a lot of the Southern Baptist people would have said that was wrong. Uh, but it's just a prayer. It's only magic words. It doesn't mean anything. I get your um, point, yeah. Because our symbols matter. Um, you know, uh, and, and also, um, I'm just really tired. Uh, as someone who practices uh, Christianity and faith in a, in a context, um, working with people who are experiencing homelessness, where... I constantly see people who are victims um, because uh, they're told you can only have this food after you pray to my God. You can only have this blanket after you pray to my God. That's not being helpful. That's them buying the blanket um, because the price they have to pay is this prayer. Um, and so a lot of so a lot of people. Who it is really difficult to to do ministry in this context because a lot of people are so jaded because they like they're like I have to play this game in order to get the food or to get the blanket. I honestly think the man who was hungry probably didn't care. Mm -hmm. uh, he's probably had to pray for his meal dozens of times. Um, my issue was. Uh, the big issue was that the eyewitness talking about how he was so happy that his daughter got to see what real Christian love looked like. And that was actually the, the huge thing that, because that is not Christianity. That is not the gospel. That is not loving your neighbor. Um, that is power dynamics and um, uh, tit for tat and buying Things with your emotions. So instead of using what could have been an act of love and kindness, they turned it into a trade. Exactly. And it was a trade that the that the the hungry man was not free to not consent to, yeah, because all of the power dynamics were on the side of the man with the food. Mm -hmm. um, let me let me play devil's advocate for a second because what what some. Christians will say is that it's 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 their duty it's their it's their uh, it's part of what um, now I'm gonna get Tina mad <laughs> it's, folks if you don't watch this stuff live you really should because you're missing some really really fun facial responses going on here um, it's it's their it's their duty and and part of it is is you know we have that great commission that Jesus left. Uh, his disciples with just before he you know ascended that whole thing about you know go preach this to all the ends of the earth reportedly Jesus said this um, 
and not just the author of the Gospels, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, but so we have we have this commission. There are many many um, strains of Christianity that will say this is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to go preach the good word. We're supposed to um, um, use situations as an opportunity to share about the gospel with other people. What would you say to them? Why Why do we automatically assume that because he's poor, he doesn't know Jesus? I mean, that's a great question. I, 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 I mean, there was no conversation. There was no, are you a Christian? Well, may I pray with you? There was none of that. Um, there were countless other customers in the restaurant and the manager wasn't apparently concerned whether they knew Jesus. Okay. Um, he was only concerned about the poor man knowing Jesus. Because apparently, in this man's theology, you can't be both poor and love God. Which is fascinating, because there was a time when it was the other way around. Exactly. The only way you knew you were a good God-fearing Christian is if you were a kind of poor. Right. So that's 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 an interesting shift. But do you think that's commonplace across Christianity that 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 Christians have trouble um, given without some kind of condition attached to it? Well, to the extent that they do, they have um, abandoned historic Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, because so. um, well, because Saint Basil said that the um, extra coat that you have in your closet you have stolen from the poor. Um, the, the extra shoes that you have in your closet you are not wearing, you have robbed from those who have no shoes. Um, historically, um, there was we give because God is good and because God gives to us freely. Um, those same Christians would say they believe in the concept of grace, which is unmerited favor. A favor that we do not deserve. If you have to do something in order to receive, it's not unmerited. Um, the Gospel of John says in the third chapter that God loved the world. Um, that was the famous John 3.16 chapter. Right. Right. For God loved the world so much that, etc. So before Jesus, before any of that, God loved the world. God was still love, yeah. Yeah, God was love, and from the beginning, God loves without preconditions, without exclusion. God loves because that's what God does. So, to the extent that you make someone do something in order to, um, for you to show love to them, you have abandoned, um, you have you have no relationship to the God of the Bible. Okay. Nicely put. Go ahead, Tina. You were about jumping. Well, I, I was just thinking Hugh had said something earlier. Um, losing my train of thought. Um, it yeah, carry on. I'll think of it later. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Or not. <laughs> Thanks for that totally timely derailment. <laughs> You're um, moving on to the next question anyhow, aren't you? You know, I, I, I used to say... Um, I. I used to get in a lot of trouble um, <laughs> um, because groups would want to work with us. Uh, Christian groups would want to work with us. And one of the things that we do and have done for almost nine years now is on Saturdays and Sundays, um, we bring breakfast 
to um, a large park here in Raleigh, and we share it with anyone who comes up, right? Yeah. Um, and we uh, we don't feed people. I mean, we don't think of it as feeding the homeless, like because you feed puppies and children. Um, uh, instead, it's we share food with uh, with people. It is. It's communion. Um, and so uh, I had a uh, fundamentalist man tell me he wanted to volunteer with us so that he could share the gospel, uh, air quotes, share the gospel um, with people who were getting food. And I told him that we do not share food in order to share the gospel. We share food because that is the gospel. Okay. Right. I, that's, I'm sorry, that's what I was thinking of. You had mentioned earlier about the whole Chick-fil-A thing that, you know, it, it may actually turn people off. And um, and I, I see that a lot with when, when people are, are too pushy and too, you know, sharing the gospel with people that, that haven't asked to be shared with, that right. they're they're pushed away more than somebody who just sits with somebody and starts to talk to them or or shows them love and kindness and and then then the people are like why are you like this you know why are you so kind to me that that's opening a door for people not shoving it in their face I, I fully agree um, you know when I first started doing this work uh, nine years ago um, I originally thought that a lot of I was still stuck in the old paradigms and so I originally thought I was going to be doing a lot of quote gospel sharing um, but then I, I learned that um, people who are experiencing homelessness um, were once part of the general population um, no one is born homeless mm -hmm. and so um, they were once part of the general population and the general population about 85 percent of them um, self-identify as Christian so um, they are no more in need of um, need than, than the general population is. Uh, and we're not wrestling those people to the ground and demanding that they hear our story uh, before we'll give them directions or boost their battery off in the parking lot or carry their groceries to the car. Speaking, uh, this, this is a great segue, and we'll continue talking about this as we move on, but it's a great segue to... Uh, the question of Bernie Sanders, um, who was, uh, when asked about his faith, recently said, I am who I am, what I believe in, what my spirituality is about, is that we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. I think it's not a good thing to believe that as human beings we can turn our backs on the suffering of other people. So he gave a very, um, a very, I would say, I don't know, I don't want to use the word vague, but non-specific answer. <laughs> I think it's a very humanist answer. It is a great humanist answer, right? So, from in the in the it's not a it it was not a religious answer in in terms of here's you know and I'm aligning myself with any particular thing, um, but in a country where you say like you just said about eighty five percent of people may right. buy as Christian, and here we have a presidential election, do we think we've got to the point yet where we would elect someone as president who didn't claim to be a Christian? And I say that. And I say that and share that, you know, basically the, the, the front runners from either party right now are both people who um, uh, the central piece or major piece of their campaign is not about religion in any way, shape, or form. Do you think either of them will get to that point where 
you know, they will. Well, it's worth remembering that JFK was the first Catholic to be elected president. And people were freaking out about that. Well, they were freaking out about that, but he still won. Mm -hmm. And and at that point, uh, large portions of Protestants uh, did not believe Catholics to, in fact, be Christian. Right. Right. So um, there. So so it, this isn't completely without parallel. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll, at least at least he had some kind of religious affiliation, though. I mean, sure. Neither Bernie Sanders nor Donald Trump are ever going to claim any sort of religious affiliation. That one time Trump tried to quote the Bible, it just went horribly wrong. Two Corinthians, right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, <laughs> bless his heart. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that... Um, yeah, I don't know. I... I, I I'll say this. I think we'll get there eventually. Um, I, I I would be surprised if we get there in this election cycle, but I, I think we'll get there if for no other reason than the, the the population is changing. The fastest growing group of of you know, if you want to call it religious group, is the spiritual not religious or the we not identify with anything specifically. That's 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 the fastest group that that is growing right now. So. I think as they gain in 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 popularity and in numbers, a candidate's religious affiliation is going to play less and less important. I think also what you're seeing though is a decline of the influence of the religious right. Um, you know, for but they're still for, so noisy. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're still so noisy. They are. But they they have practically no influence. Um, whereas for most of for all of my adulthood, um, since the late seventies, um, the religious right has has basically played kingmaker. Right. Um, and this is the first election cycle where, like, they're they're largely irrelevant. Um, and so I think it it honestly speaks much more to them, or to the lack of influence from them. Um, than than maybe it does anything else. What do you what do you think that says about um, religion in our country right now? Then. Hmm. Um. Well, I think that we, you know, I. I don't know. Uh, I mean, again, I'm in the South, right? So, where even the atheists are a little Christian. Yeah. And um. The uh, uh, but we also don't don't go, don't go Marco Rubio on us. Re, 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 you know, repeating those good punchlines now. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. But I I think it. I think you're right. I think the point you're making is that it it really depends on on where you are. Um, right. That that that's gonna that's gonna. To answer your question, Tina, depending on where you are, will will give you the answer. So, like up here in New England, you know, where a person's faith doesn't matter for anything really, um, and it's been that way for quite some time. But you go in the South, and you don't have to go in the Deep South because I wouldn't well, even call North Carolina the Deep South. You go in the Deep South, you go in the South. It's it's kind of speaks. Oh, I'm in Virginia. Time. I know. Well, and, and, and it also depends on, so that's what I was actually just thinking about, was context, because um, in Raleigh, where it's, 
we're a progressive urban center in what has historically been the most progressive southern state. Um, and so um, uh, it's I, I, most of the people I know, most of my peers in the city, I don't think would have a big issue with it. Um, but you go into um, rural North Carolina mm -hmm. where um, church is how you find your tribe. It's your identifier. You know, um, it's where your people are. Uh, I think I think out there you would have it would be a tough road to hoe. Um, yeah. Um, so we we getting some um, quotes on uh, some tweets, some hits on Twitter. Uh, oh. I think I think Tina might know this character. Uh, Will Kitchen zero zero says the apostles. Creed states this directive: "Be my disciples unto Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the Chick Fil A's." Uh, <laughs> I have forgot that part. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we forgot that verse. Um, thank, thank, thank you, Will, for reminding us that yes, even even Chick Fil A is the ends of the earth. <laughs> um, so no, I I I think we're yeah. So, so back to that whole: would a, would a Christian ever be elected president? I think. I think what we're seeing um, in in the rise of Bernie Sanders' popularity is that I think for more and more people, this is mattering less and less. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a trend we're going to continue to keep um, going with. If for no other reason than what some of the things he was pointed out, that the traditional religious establishment has in many ways failed the people and in many ways um, failed to demonstrate true unconditional Christian love and I think you know people and and, and people, people are, are getting wise to it I mean yeah. it, it's we don't live in the day and age where um, well I can't say that for the entire country but we don't live in the day and age where whatever is preached from the pulpit is is you know the law and you have to listen and follow exactly as it's preached to you. I mean, people well, are... I hope my congregants are listening and following. Otherwise, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> um, and can I just remind you that um, we did announce, and Brian's not here to, like, negate this, um, we don't endorse any particular party. <laughs> I'm not. I've not been endorsing. Have you heard me endorsing? I've been reporting facts. Not at all. Not at all. Fair been, enough. been reporting Brian. I'm gonna get the lecture from Brian for not keeping you in check. <laughs> I give Trump's due. I give Bernie's due. I am. I am just. All right. Like all right. And and I will. You know what? Honestly, I can say the same for Trump because you know here he is in all of these. Uh, you know the caucuses, the primaries, the polls, and he's leading um, in the Republican Party, which is traditionally people who more identify with Christianity would say they're Christian, and. <laughs> He's leading. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not. He will never profess to be. So again, for them, it matters less as well. So yeah, that's interesting. But, you know, I think that um, maybe it's a little more honest um, because I don't know how. You know, when Truman decided to bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki, was which precepts of you know the Christ was was he following at that point? Um, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, remember that fig tree whole thing? You know, Jesus nuked the fig tree. Nuked the fig tree. Total annihilation, man. You know, or 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 when you know, I I mean, I guess what I'm saying is is that like I I I think that Christian is a horrible adjective anyway. Um, 
and and especially the concept of a of a Christian president. Um, Why do you say a horrible adjective? I'm I'm interested by that because wouldn't you would you call yourself a Christian? We had this discussion, uh, I think, the last show, and and Tina wants nothing to do with the word, and Brian is comfortable with the word, and I'm. Somewhere. It doesn't bother me if you need to call me that. Would you call you that? No. What would you call you? Uh, I self-identify as a Christian humanist. Okay. Hmm. Um, I'm 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 pretty clear. I'm a humanist who comes. Which, what in English? Christian. Pardon? Which means what in English? When you say well, it means I'm a humanist who 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 uses and who comes from the Christian story. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. The Christian story is my story. It's the language I grew up in. It's how I was, it's my spirituality, um, it's my, it's my, um, it's my story. Okay. Um, but I also recognize um, that at the end of the day, what really matters is how we treat each other and how, uh, and we are responsible for that. Gotcha. I like that. I like that a lot because I think a lot of people, the first thing when when they label themselves, that word Christian comes out of their mouths and it's to the core and it doesn't even matter what it means. It's just, it's how they, it's the box. Right. Um, you know, the, uh, I think that there is nothing more useless to the world than what you believe. Um, and there is nothing more important to the world than what you do. Sure. Um, I love that. It's almost like I make a living with words or something. You do, oh. I know. <laughs> Amazing. When's that book coming out? <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I um, I, so I, 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 think that you know, um, again, I'm Mennonite. I'm traditionally we have um, abstained from politics because um, we we recognize historically we have recognized. Um, that God does not endorse candidates nor parties, and 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 if and it was the government that killed Christ. Um, so how can one um, sign up to be part of the government to kill others? Listen, I don't know about that because Ted Cruz said that God told him to run after a few months of. Well, Ben Carson told him told said God said that to him too. So either God is like, God's playing a horrible joke on us. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, Ogan, do we have any other questions, or are we good? Are we um, well, we 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 kind of got one more. I don't know that we have a whole time for it, but you know, human nine minutes or less. Let's discuss the the central tenet of Christianity. One of the central tenets is original sin. Okay. The the the, the doctrine of original sin. Um, do you believe there's uh, is there a scriptural backing for that, or do you think that's just something that uh, we eventually made up to? I don't know. Explain why we got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Explain Christ's death and that whole story. Well, I think I think that there is empirical evidence. I mean, you of what um, original sin? Well, I think if you accept. The premise that there is a God, okay. If you accept the premise there is a God, what kind of God would design the world to be like it is? Because it's pretty hosed right now, right. right? Okay. So if you're a designer, then probably you designed it to be good. In fact, the scriptures tell us 
that God saw the world and it was good. Yeah. All right. So who screwed it up? I think we did. <laughs> okay. So I have no problem believing that God made a good world and we screwed it up. Um, and if you need to have, have a talking snake tell you that, like, I don't have a problem with that. But, okay. but I, I have no problem believing that the world was good and we hosed it. Okay, Hugh. So the question then becomes, can we fix it? Um, I think, so, um, and again, this is going to take longer than now our seven-some-odd minutes. Um, but, that's, why have, uh, that's why we have the after show. But I actually believe that that is the focus of Christianity, that Jesus was God's rescue plan for the world. Jesus, Only Christianity? Um, well, what about the other religions then? Well, I think that in, in the Christian story, okay, um, that uh, the Christian story as... Um, Jesus understood it. Uh, the way Jesus understood what Jesus was doing um, was um, implementing a rescue plan to restore shalom uh, to the world. Um, and, and so uh, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is coming, the kingdom of God is at hand, uh, behold the kingdom of God, um, what Jesus was talking about um, was this idea of the restoration of, of the world as it should be. Okay, and I totally, I totally agree with all that. I love that idea. Yeah. Do you think that's what modern Christianity is focusing on? Oh, I, I, I think modern Christianity is hosed. Well, um, it depends on on who in modern Christianity you ask. Right. Exactly. I mean, like there are there is not Christianity. There are Christianities. Right. Yeah, that's true. Cool. And I don't. I personally don't believe the the. I don't believe we're hosed at all, and I don't believe that it's something that we need to fix you know I, I take the somewhat seminal Buddhist approach it is it is what it is we're the ones assigning judgment to it whether because, it's good or bad yeah I, I, I think it's you know I mean as you shared earlier Hugh you you dedicate yourself once a week to find the beautiful things in this world mm -hmm. so there's a lot in this world that a is not broken B doesn't need fixing so I don't I don't I don't I don't think that I, I think it is that whole idea out of out of the, the order out of the chaos. We need the chaos to have the order. We need the we need the mm -hmm. chaos to kind of show us um, um, to to remind us it is ours to create beauty as well. I think it's so. I don't. I I think it's part a necessary part of the process, and in so doing, it's not broken. It's it's. It's but that way to function. To, to to me, any theology that does not attempt to explain a starving child mm -hmm. um, is useless to me. Um, and so, uh, um, yes, I, I have a really hard time believing that the starving child um, is uh, part of the disorder that points out that, that holds a counterpoint to the beauty. Um, I I believe that the starving child is. Um, not part of the plan. It is an aberration, and we need to fix that shit. Well, I think that's, but that's that's a human issue, not necessarily. I, again, Christian humanist. Right, right, but then you right, but then you say any theology that, and mm -hmm. the I'm saying that if you if your if your attempt to explain, um, if if you that that is actually, I mean, that's what I'm getting at. Any attempt to explain, um, how God interacts with the universe, uh, which is what theology is. Right. Any any attempt to explain how God 
interacts with the universe that does not take into account um, a starving child um, is I, I, I think is just so much specious like pie in the sky um, ivory towerness. Oh, can I kind of get what he's saying? Because what you were saying was was kind of like the whole duality thing. Like you have to have um, one to appreciate the other. But that, in my mind, that's like saying we never could live in an all-loving, all-kindness world. And I don't want to believe that that's not possible. And and oh, as humans and, are involved is going to get is going to be messy. And, I I don't want to believe that. Well, and to to go off your Buddhism. Um, the uh, I, I take much comfort from uh, the Vietnamese stream of Buddhism, where they say that yes, life is suffering, mm -hmm. um, and it is our responsibility to end the suffering. I totally agree with. I think we're kind of arguing the same point, but from different, but from different camps. In that, I I think theology, in terms of explaining God, is or or dealing with the matters divine. Um, should not be um, part of how we how we explain that is shouldn't be part of how we as human beings explain ourselves simply because like you said we we are the ones making the choices to make to make the world messy and so, so you're talking but you're back to duality because you talk about the divine and then you talk about the real as if they're two separate things. It's a paradox. They are, they are, they are one and the same, but I think they are separate in that there's no, there's, there, there's no God that's gonna come and fix it. It's, it's, it's us. No, it's our responsibility. Right. And, As I'm fond of saying, God has a plan to deal with hungry children. God's plan is us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's us. But again, I don't believe that's. My definition of God is there's there's no God planning, there's no God interacting with that. So I mean, it, it goes back to one. Anyway. So you don't have faith in human beings, then? You don't have faith what? that human beings can rise above? Is that what you're saying, Ogan? <laughs> have you met me? I'm a little cynical. <laughs> I just have a hard time with that. I mean, I. So let me, let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. Yes, of course, I do have faith. I do have faith in the innate goodness of human beings. I do have faith that human beings can choose to uh, to approach life from a more humanist approach. To to to. You just don't have the faith they will. Precisely, I, they have the potential, but I think there will always be people who choose not to. And it's. I, it's for me, it's not I disagree so with that word always. I think I, we're generations away from it. So aren't well, hold on, aren't Ogan, aren't you arguing for original sin? Because you're saying that human beings are incapable of um, no, no, transcending their human nature. No, I'm saying they're capable. They're very capable. Okay, I, I think they're capable too, and I'm willing to work for a world in which it's easier for them to do that. High five. I'm. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm Listen, I'm saying the same thing. I'm truly saying the same thing, but I'm also saying that um, I am um, from a, almost a more realist perspective that while I believe that and I'm doing that, I've made peace with the fact... I have no interest in realism. That <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing to that. I love it. That, I love it, Hugh. I, I, I don't need religion. I don't need religion to be realistic. Oh, I, I know that. Faith, I don't need faith to be realistic. Like, like that hungry kid is realistic. I need faith to work to overcome that. 
I agree that. I agree with that. I you, you're missing my point. I think I'm a hope pimp. Me too. I am. I am very hopeful, but but you just don't think it's going to get any better. Wait, Ogan. I Ogan. I, I, I just have to say it's wait. ten o'clock. Are you listening? We're gonna wrap up, but we'll I think wrap up I, and then we'll do it after show. I think I can be hopeful and still realize it. There are always going to be people who still mess it up as long as there's greed in this world. But I can still be hopeful. I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't hopeful that people can have some kind of internal transformation and, and rise above their, their basis self. I mean, that's what keeps me showing up for work every day. I do believe it. But I'm also realizing that um, if I, I think if I become too attached to that being the outcome every single time, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, because people are people, so it's a. I have a weird mixture of of hope and cynicism in me. I'm a complex man. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> shut it down, complex man. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we will uh, we will wrap up the show uh, uh, for this evening, and we might we might uh, keep track uh, keep chatting afterwards. I can speak and keep chatting afterwards. Um, I want to thank Hugh Hollowell very much for uh, joining us tonight again. Uh, go check him out at uh, love what is it ministries dot org. Is that the yeah. that the website? Yes. Yes. Uh, check out what he does um, and and see if. Uh, uh, you can offer um, this ministry some support. Um, I'm, I'm, I love Hugh's work. Um, um, my wife Jennifer used to be on his board when we lived in Raleigh. And if there's anyone who truly, honestly, is the embodiment of living that um, unconditional love and unconditional generosity, it is um, Hugh and Loveman's ministry. So uh, proud to call you, my friend. Um, you and I will will always agree and disagree on a whole bunch of things, but that's what that's that's what makes us fun. Um, join us next week, 9 p.m. Uh, for the live stream. Uh, Brian should be back by then. Listen to us anytime. Pubtheology. Uh, sorry, SoundCloud.com slash slash Pub Theology Live. We are working to get this thing up on iTunes as well, so that should be coming along. Hit us up on Twitter at Pub Theology, Facebook.com slash Pub Theology, and let us know what you think. Share this podcast. Uh, tell your friends about us. Join in on the discussion. And most importantly, uh, enjoy the fact that with different views and different bre- different views and different brews... <laughs> You need to stop reading a script after you've had a drink. You know, I'm not even reading at this point. That's the problem. I was doing better when I was reading. You know what? We're we're out of here. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Mm-hmm.